Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Back to Legit Bat, we have Brandon Williams. I almost said Thomas because our uh, other friend is Brandon Thomas. You might actually know him. Uh, and so g- give us a rundown on what you do because you do a bunch of stuff. And we were checking out your uh, website, onestupidfuck.com. And you are hilarious, first of all. We were watching you. your pickle video and all that shit. But uh, when your booker had sent me the initial email, she was saying that you are into the legal system and how to avoid paying taxes and all that kind of stuff. And we're very much into anti-government uh, propaganda. So tell us all about that, please. <laughs> so, so yeah, you guys are in California. So you guys are familiar probably with the Employment Development Department a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they decided they wanted to mess with me. And uh, that was sort of like the final straw for me because they were, they were coming for me for an amount of money that would have just wiped me out fully. And I didn't really have the bandwidth to really make a payment plan with them anyways. But I but people were telling me, like lawyers were telling me, like, oh, you should just make a payment plan. I'm like, make a payment plan for what? They showed up on my fucking job site and they gave me a bill. Like what? Like like it doesn't make well. You just have to. You just have to make a payment plan. You said make a payment. Like what the fuck am I paying them for? Like yeah. What like, was the was cause? Why don't I? Did, why did don't they I overpay just you? Fucking no, no. They literally just made shit up and sent me a bill. That's super weird because isn't employment development department is for unemployment compensation when you're out of a job? I could think that they would only want to get that money back if they had determined that you got the money. No, no, for... the employment development department, they do all payroll related everything. Hmm. If they believe literally to the point where if they believe you aren't paying the amount of payroll taxes you should be paying, they will manufacture bills that say this is what we think you're supposed to be paying based off of what we saw on the job site that we literally trespassed to go on to. That's super weird. So I thought that's the point of filing taxes, though is to reconcile all of those differences. Yeah, but they send out they send out hitmen 
to go onto the job sites and to validate or verify what you filed is correct. And if they manufacture the idea that what you put in may not be correct, they just create bills out of thin air and they send them to you. Wow. Okay. So we're not familiar with that at all. I had, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. So is that more of like a, a small business thing? Like if you own your own business rather than a W4 employee? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. You, you wouldn't see it on that end. Are you guys own a business? Or are you guys employees no, or we're nope. <laughs> no, we're W2s. W2s. Okay. So you guys, what, what do you guys do for work? I'm a courier and she's a loan officer for a mortgage company. Okay. So, so, so long story short, uh, basically what I do is I study and I basically, uh, teach and I teach it for free just cause I don't really care, uh, all about the law and, and various statuses and taxes and that kind of thing. Right. And there is a way that you can legally get out of having to pay all of the taxes associated with both of your jobs. It's actually very easy. Okay. Uh, and the way that you do that is you, the first thing you have to know is you have to know the definition of the term United States. This is basically like the most core aspect of the entire scam system of taxation, right? The definition of the term United States does not mean what you think it means. It has absolutely nothing to do with the 50 states of the Republic. It has absolutely nothing to do with California. They literally, in the United States Code, in black and white, I will literally screen share with you right now and show you. Yeah, do they, it. They define United States as an area inside the District of Columbia. So I'll do a screen share and I'll show you guys. So can you guys see my screen? I can, yep. So if we go to a new tab... And we go to 28 USC, which stands for United States Code, 3002. We're going to go to this first link, which is uh, Cornell University, Law University. We're going to scroll down to Section 15. And you guys can literally read. Just read 15 and, and A. Just read this blue. The United States means a federal corporation. Okay. And which word is capitalized in that definition? Federal. Yeah. So that has a special definition as well, which we can cover a little bit later. And then UCC 9-307. Uh, UCC stands for Uniform Commercial Code. We're going to scroll down to section H. Go ahead and read this blue part out loud. Location of United States. The United States is located in the District of Columbia. So when you sign tax forms, such as a W-9 or a W-2 or whatever you guys are signing, and it says, how much money did you make from the United States? What's the answer to the question? Zero. That's right. The answer to the question is zero. Now, it gets worse because the definition of U.S. citizen is someone who lives in the United States. So a U.S. citizen is someone who lives in the District of Columbia. The District of Columbia, as per, uh, I gotta move this thing out of the way. As per uh, uh, twenty-eight USC three thousand two subsection fifteen definition A, it's a fucking corporation. It's not a part of America at all. So when you sign documentation stating that you're a U.S. citizen, you're literally saying, "I am not an American. 
I am I I literally live and exist inside of a corporate world, a corporation that exists inside of the 10 mile square radius of the District of Columbia. Huh. So people people wonder why they can't carry arms and why they have to have a license to drive a car and all these different things. It's because only Americans have the right to travel. Only Americans have the right to bear arms. When you sign that you're a U.S. citizen, you're you're saying at penalty of perjury, you're signing the documentation. You're saying I'm not an American. U.S. citizen literally means I'm not an American. So how do how do you get around that stuff being a W two or W four employee? Because you you once you well check it out. Look, I nine form. So so if you don't live in the United States, you are an international employee. So you're going to fill out they they have an employment eligibility verification. You guys have seen these at work, okay? Now look at box number 1, read that out loud. A citizen of the United States. Now read box number 2 out loud. A non-citizen national of the United States. See there instructions. And no one's ever checked that box. Box number one is someone who lives in the District of Columbia. Box number two is someone who lives in one of the 50 states of the Union. So is that like uh, kind of making like like doing an exempt status if you hit box number two? So you're, wait, beyond, C- you're beyond exempt. You're literally in a foreign country. It's it like it's C- like instructions. Working. What is yeah, that? You can, it's, see, you can see the instructions. You just it's the down. only one that has instructions on it, though, which is interesting. Yeah, you can check out the instructions. I'll explain the instructions a little bit more advanced, but I'll, I'll explain it to you. Form instructions. Just because I noticed it's the only one that says see instructions, meaning they <laughs> they want to make it more confusing, it looks like. Yeah, yeah I'll explain I'll explain the instructions. So here's the instructions. You can go ahead and read that out loud. So a non-citizen national of the United States, an individual born in American Samoa certain former citizens of the former trust territory of the Pacific islands and certain children of non-citizen nationals born abroad. So basically anyone who was born in one of the 50 States of the union is a child of a non-citizen national born abroad. If you were not born in the district of Columbia, then you were not born in the United States. Gotcha. So it looks like they use these terms like abroad. You think across the seas, you think in a different country, you're thinking it is a different who... country legally. Right. California, right, California and District of Columbia or California and United States are actually two separate countries. And another area I can show you eight USC one one zero one. If you go down to subsection 21, I'm going super, super fast because we have a bit of a time crunch here. So just so you guys know, if you need me to slow down, just let me know. But uh, subsection 21 explains, and I'm going to show you one more. So go ahead and read subsection 21 out loud. All right. So the term national means a person owing permanent allegiance to a state. So the term U.S. citizen means that you live in the District of Columbia. You live in the United States. The term national means that you live in one of the 50 states of the Union, which is a completely different country from United States and has nothing to do with United States. And that's why it's called a non-citizen national of the United States. It's someone who who was born 
in one of the 50 states of the union and not in the United States. So if you look at the articles of, of, uh, of confederation, the way it works is each of the 50 individual nation states are individual countries. So California is actually a country. Nevada is actually a country. Arizona is actually a country. Oregon is actually a country legally, right? So that's why it's called a national because they are nations. They are legal nations. It's actually the nation of California. So so on a form, whenever it says uh, nationality or citizenship, if it says, are you a U.S. citizen, you check no. And then if it has a box, if no, please explain your, your nationality or citizenship, you actually literally put Californian. You can put Has Californian. this been upheld in courts of law? Tons, yeah. You can look up what's called the slaughterhouse cases. It's from like 100 okay. years ago, but yeah. They, they, so, will, they, will they try to fuck with you and come after you if you try to pull this stuff? Or do they just kind of brush it under the rug? It's actually the polar opposite. Uh, you you literally get what's called foreign government status. So 18 U.S.C. 11, we're going to look up foreign government defined. Mm. So a foreign government, once you once you become a national, you become a foreign government, but only under one condition, right? The term foreign government uh, includes any government, faction, or body of insurgents within a country with which the United States is at peace. Now, again, United States means District of Columbia, irrespective of recognition by the United States. So, as, as long as you're corporation, as long as you're at peace with the federal corporation, you don't need official recognition. So, I'm actually, I'm actually legally a foreign government from United States. I don't live in, and then. Just to go back to, so the reason why in uh, 18 USC uh, 3002, the reason why the F is capitalized in federal is because when you see a uh, state of California written out like this with a capital letter like this, state of California. So that means uh, it's super fucking so, so fucked up. But basically that means a private for-profit corporation called State of California, which is a subcorporation of United States, which is physically located in the District of Columbia, right? Now, it's the same thing if you see it written like this, State of California, like this. That also means a corporation that is physically located in the District of Columbia, which is exactly why in 8 U.S.C. Uh, 1101, when we're talking about national, if you look at the word state, it's not capitalized. Hmm. So capitalized state means corporate state that's located in the District of Columbia. Lowercase state means the nation state of the actual state. Now, knowing that, now we can clean up why in the flying fuck this F is capitalized. It's capitalized because it's referring to corporate state to corporate state federal. So that word federal has absolutely nothing to do with the nation states. It only has to do with the corporate states, but it's all bullshit because the corporate states are all located in the District of Columbia. That's super fucked up. So they give them the same name causing confusion. So people exactly. just think I live in I live in the state of California. It's the same name. Why would they even think anything different? Well, that's, that's the the beauty and the the fuck. I mean, the 
hideous beauty of the the system and the way that it's uh pulled the wool over everybody's eyes because everyone just takes things at face value and doesn't look into it like people like brandon does so th- i bet you're on a hit list somewhere dude well no i you, no i'm i'm literally a foreign government um to the point where i can actually call the secret service and then they they don't have to help me but i have access to them so so if you go to uh voter registration for california now this is the this is not California. This is not the nation state of California. This is the corporation called State of California. And you can look it up. You can find the EIN number and the Dun and Bradstreet number for State of California. If you if you hunt around, you'll find it on the internet, right? So voter registration. They push voting so hard. It's in the media. It's in all the TV shows. It must be important, right? Well, take a look. When you sign up for voter registration, look at the choices that you have to say that you are when you're signing up for voter registration. Do you see uh, 8 U.S.C. 1101 subsection 21 national? Do you see national anywhere? Mm-mm. That's because you, you have to be located in the District of Columbia to be able to vote. A national can't vote because they're not located in the District of Columbia. Only a U.S. citizen is located in the District of Columbia. I'm cool with that because I don't vote anyway. Fuck them. Exactly. So you have to sign under penalty of perjury stating that you are a U.S. citizen in order to vote. vote voter registration is actually the whole thing is a giant trap. You can actually get the paper versions of, of voter registration and you can just cross out state of California and you can put non-incorporated nation state of California and then sign it. If they accept it, you can vote and you never sign that you live in the District of Columbia. And then they go, oh, you you signed a voter Pull it out, buddy. Pull it out. Pull out that fucking contract you say I signed. They pull it up. It's got a big cross through it. And it says unincorporated nation state of California. They're fucked. There's no there's no contract tying you into Washington, D.C. And you can still you can still vote. But they know we don't live there. I guess that's my confusion. It's all it's just a a whole sham. It's all based on fraud. They know we don't live there. They're yep. making us say that we do live there, knowing perfectly well that we don't, and then not counting our vote anyway. Well, what they do is they say, they say, you know, oh, we trust you to to tell us under penalty of perjury the truth. So what they do is sort of like when you whenever you tell the government anything, you're basically waiving your Fifth Amendment right, right? So it's like it's like I'm waiving my Fifth Amendment right to tell you what I am. That's how they look at it. okay? because if you just shut your fucking mouth and never tell them anything, they now have the burden to prove it. But because you open your big fucking mouth and you tell them all this shit and you sign under penalty of perjury, like like tax forms, for example. Right. So the tax form that you guys should be filling out as nationals is called the W8BEN form. And it's the Can most you do pit- this after, like after the fact of getting the job? Because I've had my job oh, yeah. for like ten years. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. You. Uh, the answer to that, you're. I've had reports of some places. It's very easy. I've had some reports of places where the payroll and the HR literally explode in flames, and they're getting lawyers involved, and people are like losing their minds. I've had so fun. many different things that I've heard happen. So if you do want to walk down this road, just be really cool with them. You know, look, you know, you might not be familiar with some of this stuff. If you have any questions, let me know, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't, don't be, don't, don't, you know, a lot of people get mad and jam this shit down their throats and they get freaked out, right? But you can read right here. Go ahead and read this anti-discrimination notice. 
Uh, it says it, it is illegal to discriminate against work authorized individuals. Employers cannot specify which documents an employee may present to establish employment authorization and identity. The refusal to hire or continue to employ an individual because the documentation presented has a future expiration date may also constitute legal illegal discrimination. Oh, so the thing is, is that when you when you submit a new I-9 and you check box two, a non-citizen national of the United States, right? They're going to totally freak out because they've never, ever, ever in the 30 year history of your company, they've never, ever had a single person submit a form that says that ever. And they have absolutely no idea what to do with it. Then you're also going to give them another form they've never seen before called the W8BEN form. Now, this is all super complicated as fuck. It's really simple. On purpose, right? Yes, it's ex that's exactly right. The W8BEN form is literally for people who don't live in the United States. It's just foreign status of beneficial owner. So, so it means somebody who doesn't live in the United States who's getting some money, basically, just to keep this really simple. Okay. We appreciate and, that. We're half retarded. So thank you. No, this is this is really, really advanced, this this form, right? So it's saying like tax treaty, like what's the tax treaty, right? You 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 would put here. Uh, I certify that the you're the beneficial owner. You would say resident of unincorporated nation state of California, and you would not capitalize the S. Uh, and that that's that's where you're actually physically located, which is a foreign country to United States. So it's asking you, what is the tax treaty between the unincorporated nation state of California and the United States? And and the answer to that question, the, the answer to that is basically like you can put internal revenue code, right? But the 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 section that you guys would fit into when you become nationals is you you become what's called non-resident aliens, right? So as a non-resident alien, you don't live in the United States. The so you're, you're, of Columbia. you're yeah. So you're so this would be where it'd be hard to to talk to payroll and HR about this because they'd be like, "What are you talking about?" You're they're in like, the "What do you States. mean you don't live in the United States?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, is they they it's discrimination for them not to accept your forms, right? Maybe yeah. highlight that part. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, the way I recommend that you do this, especially with how many people are doing this and how many reports I get, I mean, we've got hundreds of thousands of people doing this right now. Okay. I would say start off easy. And then what you want to do is really, really calm, super chill. Hey, I came across some information recently. I'm going to submit some new forms. I know it's crazy. Take as much time as you need. And then what you're going to do is you're going to start to to build the pressure with them as time goes on a week goes by hey how's it going uh they're like literally sweating you know like they got four lawyers involved this and that like let them let them do their thing okay you, you guys are looking at this okay cool i'm gonna leave you guys keep doing your thing i expect an answer here fairly soon don't take forever on this give them another week Two weeks goes by, you go check it out, uh, uh, you know, and then it's like, okay, like, what's the deal here, guys? Like, I've submitted these forms, you know, what's the deal? Oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. You just have to, like, look for yourself. Are they really trying to figure this out for you? Are they really putting a lot of work and effort into trying to understand what's going on? Or are they just kind of giving you the brush off? 
if they're giving you the brush off or they're not really filing your documentation, now you're going to start getting into the anti-discrimination notice. And you're going to say, are you aware that you guys don't have the right to deny me uh, uh, doing what we're doing? Another section you can show them is the UN Declaration of Human Rights. And you can go down to uh, Article 15. And Article 15, Section 2 says, you can go ahead and read this. Uh, I think you're muted. I think you're muted. Oh, I am. Yeah, there I'm, we go. Say, see, go ahead and read it retarded. Nice. Uh, it says, no one shall be arbitrarily deprived of his nationality nor denied the right to change his nationality. So you would just say uh, to your employer or your HR, you would say, are you violating the UN Declaration of Human Rights, Article 15, Subsection 2, by arbitrarily depriving my right to change my nationality? Kind of a... Uh... It reminds me of like, I identify as this now and you have to be cool with it. Yeah. But this is real <laughs> shit. This isn't like right. bullshit. You know what I mean? This is we also have shit. this. We also have this, which is really interesting. Uh, this is actually the key to everything. Technically speaking, you should have your passport sorted out before you fill out a W8BEN and the um and the I9, but it, it, it's kind of not, it's sort of like, who's the one who really decides that your nationality has changed? Is it you or is it the Department of State? Like, that's kind of like how I feel about it. It's like, all right, once you make the decision that you're now going to be a non-citizen national, you're just informing the Department of State of your decision after the fact. So like in my head, like I say people should just run out and do their I-9s and their WABENs immediately. Some people are like, oh, I want to wait until I do my passport. That's okay. Uh, I understand why someone would be concerned about that, right? So a U.S. citizen is someone who lives in the District of Columbia. So every single person in America has what's called an official passport. There's another kind of passport we're going to cover. But you should see the kind of words that they use to describe people who have official passports who are U.S. citizens. And I'm going to read these to you guys. Number one, an officer or employee of the U.S. government traveling abroad to carry out official duties and family members of such persons. So when you say you're a U.S. citizen, you're saying I live in this corporate zone and they look at you as, well, OK, you live in our corporate zone. You must be an officer or employee of, of the corporation or else. Why else are you fucking here? There's literally a whole section in the USC about how they literally say that anyone who's in the District of Columbia is going to be considered an officer or an employee of the District of Columbia. Right. Number two, a U.S. government personal services contractor traveling abroad to carry out official duties on behalf of the U.S. government. Number three, a non-personal services contractor traveling abroad to carry out duties in support of and pursuant to a contract with the U.S. government when the contractor is unable to carry out such duties using a regular or service passport. Now, if you put U.S. citizen anywhere on the passport, you're going to get an official passport, number one, number two, or number three, every single time. The only way you're going to get number four, number four is the first level where you're starting to become a national. Okay, number four is an official or employee of a state. Look, it's lowercase s on the state of a state, local, tribal, or territorial government traveling abroad to carry out official duties in support of the U.S. government. So you're still representing the District of Columbia, but you are a national on number four. You're sort of like a hybrid of both, kind of, right? Then you have a whole different kind of passport called a regular passport. Go ahead and read that one out loud. The regular passport is... Issued to a national of the United States. It's that simple. 
So once you get the regular passport, the regular passport, you get the um, if you type a DS11 form and you pull this, this is the application for US passport. If you look at the top of the US passport application form, uh, let me see, go ahead and just just read this top portion with these little boxes right here. Okay, so it says select documents for which you are submitting fees, a U.S. passport book, a U.S. passport card, or both. Right there. You can stop right there. So so the card becomes your driver's license, your concealed carry permit, your hunting license, your fishing license, every single thing that the Constitution protects. Once you get your, your regular passport, the U.S. passport card becomes all of that. You can drive a car, you can drive a plane, you can drive a train, you can technically speaking, and, and I know this is going to upset some people, technically speaking, you don't even need a license to be a doctor. You don't need a license to be a chiropractor. You don't need, you literally don't need a license to do absolutely anything because you are a national is an American. A U.S. citizen is not an American. Your right to travel, your right to bear arms, all of that. You regain all of that when you become an American. And so this would be the idea of getting the passport before you do those things with your job so you have proof of being a national? Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so you have proof of being a national, yeah, because on the I-9 form, the... the, the y Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not... You know, I, I understand both ways. If someone wants to wait to do the passport first, then fine. But if you go to the I-9 and you go down to... um this is the section that really matters, right? Lists of, of acceptable documents, right? So whenever you get employed, they, they need evidence of two different things. They need evidence of identity and they need evidence of employment authorization, okay? Now there's certain documents that show both of those things in the one document. There's certain things that only establish identity and there's certain things that only establish employment authorization. Go ahead and read section one of, of the documents that have both included in the document. U.S. passport or U.S. passport card. So when you get your regular passport, you're an international person now. You don't live in United States, but you're now fully legal to be employed inside of the United States because you have an active passport. You don't need to show them your social security card. Look at all this stuff over here. Voter registration, U.S. military card, uh, state license or ID license, uh, social security account number. You don't need to show them any of this shit. You can tell them you just don't have any of this because all they legally need to employ you is that passport. Hmm. Now, once you give them that passport and once you give them the W-8-B-E-N, now you can tell them to delete your social security number because it has nothing to do with any of this anymore. You're no longer living in the United States. You can say, I'm going to opt out of everything. And then now you don't, you don't pay one single penny to any taxation at all. You're not paying FICA. You're not paying Medicare. You're not paying Medicaid. You're going to get Medicare and Medicaid, whether you pay into it or not. That's all bullshit anyway. So don't worry about that. Uh, you're not paying state tax. You're not paying city tax. You're not paying payroll tax. You're not paying federal income tax because you don't live in America. You don't live in the United States. And would this like at the end of the year, would this actually just negate the whole filing taxes? Like you, you're just not going to hear from them at all and you just don't file. And that's the end of that. 
you file a 1040 NR non-resident alien income tax return, but you're only supposed to pay taxes off of the money that you made in the United States. That comes from 26 CFR 1.871-1. And I will read this to you. That way it's not just me talking. I don't like talking without the source material because I know this is pretty crazy shit. <laughs> so for the purposes of the income tax, alien individuals are divided generally into two classes, resident aliens and non-resident aliens. So everyone believes that the term United States means the 50 states of the of the Union of the Republic. Okay, it doesn't mean that. So they think that because the United States, because they have a false definition of what United States means, they think that resident alien means someone who lives inside one of the 50 states and non-resident alien means somebody who lives outside of the 50 states. But when you clear up uh, United States and you realize that has nothing to do with any of that, resident alien is someone who lives in the District of Columbia. Non-resident alien is someone who does not live in the District of Columbia. So it's funny, the way that that's worded makes it seem like you're a non-resident, like you don't live in the United States. And the way that that sounds to most people is exactly how it sounds, like you live in Mexico or Canada. Exactly. That's right. But the reason why it's so confusing is because they've buried all of the original information because the 14th Amendment is what created these two different citizenship statuses. Prior to the 14th Amendment, there was only nation states. There was not a federal employee. So what happened was at the end of 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 slavery, they said, we're going to free all the slaves, but we're going to we're going to they, they they wanted to appease the people who wanted to keep slavery, which is a shitload of people at the time. And they also wanted to appease the people who didn't want slavery, which probably was actually less people at the time. So what they did is they created an entirely separate type of citizenship called a U.S. citizen, which is a federal citizen. And they made all the slaves U.S. citizens, but all the Americans were still state citizens or nationals. Yeah, I had a friend tell me that a long time ago. He said uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, all that shit didn't get rid of slavery. It just made everybody slaves. Well, and he didn't really explain it. So yeah, I, like, I mean, you know, at the time, I'm sure. They were, you know, who knows what the actual intention was at that time. I mean, it did end the the type of slavery that we saw at that time. That the, it it changed slavery from a peonage to a debt slavery, or from a peonage to like a legal definitionary slavery, right? right? But it is what it is. Okay, so moving on. Resident alien individuals are, in general, taxable the same as citizens of the United States. That is, a resident alien is taxable on income derived from all sources, including sources without the United States, right? Uh, and what's so funny is, is that th th there's so much confusion about all this. There's literally people who are multimillionaires that don't even live in America, and because their accountants are fucking retarded and they make millions and millions of dollars, they think that what this is saying here is that if you don't live in America, you still have to pay income taxes. And you can go online and you can literally type in, if I'm not living in America, do I still have to pay income taxes? And you're going to find all these articles about how people are like, it's so crazy and it's so weird. It's like one of the only countries in the world that if you don't live there, but you want to retain your citizenship, you still have to pay taxes. It's all just because they don't understand the definition of the United States. That's all it comes down to. And it comes down to... I think it's 28 USC 1746. So when you whenever you have a document and you um 
are 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 signing the document under penalty of perjury. There's literally two different ways that you sign it. It's a, and and this is very very this is a really cool sector where where it can shine a lot of light on this whole subject. If executed without the United States, I declare under penalty of perjury under the laws of the United States of America. So so it's saying that there's two different places. There's United States and there's United States of America. Because United States is the foreign corporate zone, United States of America is the 50 nation states mentioned together as a collective, right? If executed within the United States, it's territories, possessions, or commonwealths. Now, again, territories, possessions, or commonwealths. That's like Puerto Rico, Samoa, uh, uh, Swain Islands, the Virgin Islands. It's, it's territories of the corporation, not territories of the 50 nation states. The 50 nation states are all separate. Okay. So, so, so whenever you say, where are you located? You would say I'm located within the United States or without the United States. And that's how you say it. Right. So, so here it's saying, uh, uh, all sources, including sources without the United States. That's why they use that terminology. Right. So what they're actually saying here is that if you're if you're a US citizen and you live in the District of Columbia, we're taxing you on everything. If you take a shit, we're taking a piece of it. Okay? What they're saying though is that if you don't live in the District of Columbia, you're what's called a non-resident alien. You're taxable only on certain income from sources within the United States. There's a second part here, but it doesn't really when you dig into the second part, it doesn't really go anywhere. So basically what happens is that if you're if you're a, if you're a national and you live in the nation of California and you're a Californian, a non-citizen national of the United States, you would only pay income tax on money that you make from income that you derive from sources within the United States. The form that you use to fill that out is the 1040NR US non-resident alien income tax return. So if you are making money from the District of Columbia, you would have a tax liability. And I can prove that too, because you go to 26 USC 7701 definition, subsection 14, read taxpayer out loud. Uh, the term taxpayer means any person subject to any internal revenue tax. If you don't live in the United States, are you a taxpayer by definition? Not if you're not living in the District of Columbia. Precisely. So I, I'm really curious. So you said that like you've had a lot of cases of people doing this exact type of thing. How do they, and besides your, your company or your payroll, you know, supervisor or whatever, besides them kind of like losing their shit about it because they've never seen this before. Does it just take you completely off the map because they can't literally do anything about it? Like how there's a second I mean, as part, far as legal, there's a second part. Okay, now I have a I have a whole course called a contract killer course. You guys saw that on my website. There, there's there's a bunch of different the the, the passport is like the big boy, the it's like the head of the beast. But there's like arms and legs and stuff too, like voter registration, your driver's license, uh, marriage licenses, hunting licenses, a lot of licenses and permits and stuff. You have to go through and clean all those up or get rid of them, right? You don't need them. 
If you really want them, you have to clean up the contract and change the way the contract is, which you can do. It's really easy. Okay. That's what I so, mean. Like as far as getting fucked with by the cops, like if I, if I go through all this and then I want to go hunting in my backyard or something, or the, the cops aren't going to know any of this shit and they're going to take you in anyway. Right. So you got to be prepared for that type of thing. Imagine it would have to go through several levels because the people at the bottom don't know about it. No, so the way it works is you you would say uh, I'm a foreign diplomat uh, and, and you would give them your passport. And then at that point, um, if they want to give you tickets, if they want to do this, if they want to do that, that's fine. You just the, the, there's a lot of guys that are doing a lot of what we're doing and they get very, very hostile with the police. It's pretty stupid, in my opinion. Uh, I, I just say, give me the tickets. No problem. We'll handle this in court. Don't worry. You go to court, you bring your, 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 uh, department of state documentation. that states that you're a, a non-citizen national of the United States. You say, I'm a foreign diplomat. I'm a non-citizen national of the United States. I don't need a license to, to hunt. And then you just, you just literally show the documentation and the affidavit. And then the whole thing just gets thrown out. Right. And then the police, and then you can request, uh, at the courtroom, you can request like, Hey, I want to make sure that my local officers and that kind of thing get um get get handled on this. Can you guys, you know, I, I wanna I wanna see some evidence that this gets addressed and these guys get get trained on the fact that there's a different class of citizenship or uh nationality and that uh you know I don't I don't have anything to do with the United States. I don't live in the United States. Uh I've got nothing to do with the corporate world. Like I'm not, you know. It, it, there's a deeper rabbit hole to all this. I'm just trying to keep it so the the deeper rabbit hole on this is that when when you were born and your parents signed your certificate of live birth so there's a different type of 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 birth certificate it's the original one that your parents actually signed physically the other one that gets printed the little one that's like a different type of birth certificate but you can actually for most states you can request to get a copy of the long form birth certificate it looks kind of like this and it's legal size and it has actual copies of all the original signatures, like literal, the original markings, everything. This is called a certificate of live birth, otherwise known as long form birth certificate. And it's legal size and it's on bond paper. Okay. Now what happens is that one of these boxes, it says like date, uh, date received by local health officer or something like that. There's different wording on all the ones I've seen for all the different states, right? So what that means is uh the the Department of Health and Human Services what they do is they get a, once they get once they get this thing, they create a corporation of your name in all capital letters. Okay? So so if you look on all your bills and you look on all your credit cards and you look on basically everything that you get in the mail, you're going to notice that your name is always in all capital letters, even in court cases, even in the text of the body of the court case. They're always going to put your name in all capital letters. Very, very careful. They're very, very careful about this. And the reason why is because the, the all capital letter version of your name is a corporation. So every single person basically has their own little Starbucks. And the, the problem is, is that you you behave as though you are the Starbucks. And that's the problem. That's the big problem. Okay. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people uh, talk about that. Our, our friend, uh, Andrew Benjamin, he's great with this stuff and he goes into legalese and all that kind of thing. And he actually talked about a uh, time he went to court and basically just told them I'm here under duress. Uh, that sounds like a name that people have called me before, but I am not that name. And he, he said a very specific thing and basically got it thrown out because they couldn't prove that that corporation was the man that was standing in front of them. 
again, it, it's because you open your big fucking mouth. That's that's why all the e- evil shit in the world occurs, right? If they say, uh, Brandon Joe Williams, uh, are you Brandon Joe Williams? You say, well, hold on a second there, buddy. Uh, you have to prove that. I'm not going to prove that. I have a Fifth Amendment right to not incriminate myself. I don't have to. I don't have to identify myself at all. You, the the burden of proof of identity is on the prosecution. That's true. It's only because, yep, I'm him. You just waived your Fifth Amendment right, and you just handed them everything they need to fucking do whatever they want. You opened your big fucking mouth. That's why shutting the fuck up is so valuable and so powerful in law. If you literally just shut the fuck up and never said anything to anybody, you you basically, I mean, I teach a lot of different things, so don't get me wrong. There's like a lot of cool stuff here, but if you want the fast track to legal success, don't say a fucking word about anything to anybody. If you hand them your driver's license or you hand them your passport and they say, they say, is this you? You say, I don't know. The government, someone gave me this card and 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 I hand it to people who ask me questions sometimes and it, it usually satisfies whatever they want. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that pissing cop, cops off a lot. When well, they yeah, ask for your license. You, you can you can <laughs> you can piss them off. But the, the way that it really works, the actual real way that it works is you're the agent on behalf of the principal. The principal is the all caps corporation. Right. So. You're basically operating in life as though you're the lawyer on behalf of your corporation. Once you do that, you're not the one in the courtroom anymore. You're just the lawyer on behalf of the legal person that's in the courtroom. That's, and, is and that the, the trustee versus beneficiary thing? It's a lot of that kind of thing. And what that what this comes from, because people think I'm crazy, but this is really easy for me to not pe- not make people think that I'm crazy. It's so fucking easy. Look at the definition of uh, this right here. Go ahead and read this bad boy out loud. The definition of a person, the term person shall be construed to mean and include an individual, a trust, estate, partnership, association, company, or corporation. So your name in all capital letters legally is a person. When they write to you and they call you in and they write tickets, they're writing tickets on the person. You're the agent on behalf of the principal. So I love this shit. And the reason why is because you're not going to get angry ever again, ever again, because you're just the lawyer representing the person that they're writing the ticket on. They're not writing a ticket on you at all. They're writing a ticket to Brandon Joe Williams in all capital letters, who is a person in law. And you're just the agent on behalf of the beneficiary. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Nice to see you. I'm here. I'm uh, I'm the agent on behalf of the uh on behalf of the principal, and I'll, I'll be here to uh, speak on behalf of the principal today. I have a, a power of attorney form. I've created my own power of attorney form that literally uh, goes into the details, the fact that, that I have a full contract with myself in all capital letters. So I am literally, legally, if you type in power of attorney, people are like, oh, you need a law degree or, oh, you need a, a this, you need that, you need this. You don't need any of that. If you want to become a lawyer... All you have to do is get somebody else to sign a power of attorney form. Power of attorney is literally called attorney in fact. So, so your whole life and your whole existence, they're they're writing, they're writing tickets and they're writing. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Writing tax bills, and even the credit card companies are sending bills to the corporation. You're just the lawyer, bro. You're just the lawyer on behalf of the corporation. So the thing is, a lot of these guys that are doing what we're doing, they're going into the courtroom being like, I don't contract or this, or they say like that, like, oh, you know, you know, I'm not going to identify myself or you have the burden to prove. I, none of that. There's nothing to be mad about. Hey, I'm just the, I'm just the agent on behalf of the principal. That's it. That's all it is. So you're just the lawyer on behalf of the legal person. The legal person is who they're concerned with, but if you think about it, corporations in commerce give you limited liability. Does That's this why piss like, the judges off? Because I've heard stories where the judges get real fucking pissed off because they actually do know what you're talking about and they get pissed that you know it. Or they don't know what you're talking about and they get pissed because you're being an asshole. Well, them. a lot of times from from all the stories that I've gotten, because I, I haven't actually even been in court because I just. I don't ever really get in any trouble and I handle cops and I just don't really ever get tickets. I'll, I'll take a ticket. I'll take a hundred tickets today. I, I really don't give a fuck, honestly. Um, but um, they, they get pissed as a way of testing you. They're not actually pissed. They're just testing you to see if you actually know what you're talking about or if you're just full of shit. They're not. Hmm. They, so they'll, they'll raise their voice and they'll do things and they'll test you. And and once they see that that you really do know what you're talking about and you can stand firm, then they'll they'll let you go. And is that like a, I don't know how to word this? Like somebody said that you have to say it three times. Is that r- true or is that just some like urban legend? Like where you have to deny? I've urban- heard some stuff about that. Uh, I, I would imagine that's probably true because that well well think. Even even more even more basic than that. If you if you say something and it's not acknowledged, you need to repeat what you just said over and over again until it becomes acknowledged. And as soon as they acknowledge it, then that stands as record, right? And they well, they're really... basically accepting it. Yeah, acceptance yeah. acceptance in law. The, the 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 thing that makes law so so nasty and and grotesque is the the law of acquiescence. So if I say something and you don't rebut it, by definition in law you essentially accept it. That's why if if they send you, and the law of threes you do see it. Like for example with bills, they'll send you a bill, they'll send you a second notice, they'll send you a third notice, and it'll be a default notice. And then after that default notice, the, the basically the way that works is since you didn't respond. You acquiesced, which means you accepted the bill because you accepted it and didn't pay it. Now they can come after you legally. And that's basically the the, the basic contract law structure of acceptance, right? So yes, there is some truth to the, the, the law of threes and that kind of thing, but it's not always that way. It's not always, always, always that way. It's 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 through the mail, through the mail, it's 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 generally that way. Yes. But in hmm. person, in person, it doesn't necessarily work that way. No. So I did want to get into that a little bit too. How do you get out of uh, paying credit card bills and shit? Like, what do you know about that? I know a lot about that. Let's uh, do it. So, uh, all right. 
Because I know my my credit cards and other loans and shit, they've made their money back and then some with all that interest. So I don't really give a fuck if I blow them off. They can suck it. Fuck the banks. <laughs> so I've heard, di- I've heard different, uh, you know, variations on on ways to do this, and it seems kind of convoluted at first, but it's probably more simple, especially having you explain this kind of thing. Yeah, it's 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 I'm getting to the point where it's getting simpler uh, through the forest of of confusion and chaos that I've had to walk to make it simple. Yeah. So so uh, if you look in your wallet and you look at one of these green pieces of paper that you give people to buy shit. What are these things called? Do you know what these things are called? Bills. Maybe, but what does it actually say on here? Oh, uh, notes. Notes, you got it. So what is a note? It says Federal Reserve Note. What is a note? A memo? An unconditional promise to pay. A written unconditional promise to pay. Oh, I wasn't reading that. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's a promissory note. Keep it really simple. Even keep it even simpler than even reading all that shit. Okay. It's a promise to pay. A note is a promise to pay. So every time you've ever promised to pay absolutely anything to absolutely anybody in writing and you signed it, it was a note. You are creating Brandon Joe Williams notes, no different than the Federal Reserve note. Okay. And you can see that here as well. Um, if we go to the Bill of Exchange Act, you see here, you can see this. There we go. Go ahead and read this line right here. Bill means bill of exchange and note means promissory note. So, so you're not getting bills in the mail from anybody. You're getting bills of exchange in the mail. So then you ask yourself, what the fuck's a bill of exchange? Exactly. Okay. Second thing is you're not paying anybody with notes. You're paying people with promissory notes. Okay. Now, a, a security or uh, or instrument, the, the, those two words basically kind of mean the same thing, is, is the same thing, a promissory note. Saying the word promissory note, saying the word instrument, and saying the word uh, uh, bond to some degree saying the word security, these words mean basically mostly the same thing. They're all basically just signed written promises to pay. You can keep it really, really simple. Okay. So a note, a promise to pay, the Federal Reserve notes that we push around, basically what happened was in 1933 during the Emergency Banking Act, they took away all the real money. Real money, as per the Constitution, is uh, gold and silver coins, only so anything that's not a gold or silver coin is not legally classified as money now a promissory note these little green promissory notes these federal reserve notes these are promises to pay gold or silver coin at some point in the future when gold and silver coins are reintroduced into the society oh and so if you were loaned promises and for gold and you never got the gold, then you technically don't owe it, right? Well, it gets crazier than that. So so in this weird fucked up banker world, what they've done is they've they've basically made promissory notes 
money. All value, all perceived value in this world is because of promissory notes. They've basically brainwashed all of us into thinking that promissory notes is where all the value is. Okay. So what happens is, is basically, um, so, so, so what happens is you have an application for a car. Okay. And you fill out the application and you say, yeah, sure. I promise to pay and you sign it. Right. So the application itself becomes a promissory note. Okay. So what happens is that when you sign to promise to pay anything, whether it's a credit card, whether it's a um uh doesn't matter what it is. If you sign and you promise to pay absolutely anything at all whatsoever, whether it's a mortgage, whether it's a business loan, whether it's a car loan, that actual piece of paper, the stack of papers themselves become a promissory note. Now what the bank does is they turn around, and this is from the Federal Reserve Act, Section 16, Part 1 and Part 2, okay? And we're going to read, I'm going to read this to you, and I'm going to explain to you how this whole system works. It's, it's, I don't think it's super crazy complicated, but at first it is a little bit. We can go over it a few times. I think you'll be fine. So any Federal Reserve Bank may make application to the local Federal Reserve agent for such amount uh, of the Federal Reserve notes here and before provided. Uh, for as it may require. So basically what, what that sentence is saying is that if anybody wants to apply application for notes, if anybody wants to apply to get Federal Reserve notes, they can do so. Basically, that's the first that's the first sentence, okay? Such application shall be accompanied with a tender to the local Federal Reserve agent of collateral and amount equal to the sum of the Federal Reserve notes thus applied for. So this sounds very complicated. So all it's saying here, it's very simple. If you're applying for notes, we need some other kind of notes of the same value that we can exchange for the Federal Reserve notes that you're trying to get from us. So when you sign the application for your car and you promise to pay $66,000 total, uh, 8% interest over six-year loan term, that application itself that is assigned promise to pay becomes the collateral in amount equal to the sum of the Federal Reserve notes they're applying. So they're trading the security that you created for securities of a different type, which is the Federal Reserve notes. Are you tracking with me so far? Yes. Okay. My brain's catching up. Keep going. You're you're doing great. <laughs> so the collateral security thus offered shall be notes, drafts, bills of exchange, or acceptances. So it's telling you right here, your 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 application for your car that you filled out and signed is a note by definition, because a note is defined as a promissory note. So you are giving them the original collateral security. And they are turning around and they are trading that original collateral security for Federal Reserve notes. Then they turn around. The bank already got all of the Federal Reserve notes because the Federal Reserve never says no. <laughs> Ever. They have never and will never. Look, such application shall be accompanied with a tender. 
What that means is that if you apply and you give us collateral, we will trade that collateral for Federal Reserve notes every single motherfucking time. And that's why we are where we are. So what the bank does, they say, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Williams, because of your credit score, your loan wasn't approved. And you say, well, where the fuck is my promissory note then? And they go, you know, so now what you do is you go down to subsection 29 and this is when the party gets started. So subsection 29 is how to bash their teeth in with a titanium baseball bat. There's a there's a three tiered system. And when they hit the third tier of infraction, they've stolen your promissory note. You're upset about the fact that they've stolen your promissory note. They've breached their fiduciary duty because they were supposed to go and exchange your promissory note for Federal Reserve notes and they lied to you. Now they're going to pay a $1 million per day penalty on that. $1 million per day. Now you think to yourself, oh, I could use a million dollars a day. Yeah, well, that's not how it works. It goes into, go ahead and read section G right here. Uh, Disbursement. All penalties collected under authority of this paragraph shall be deposited into the treasury. So you're actually going to get the treasury to be your bulldog and and you're going to strong arm whatever financial uh, company that you're working with. And you're going to say, whoa, there, boys, because I know exactly what you did. 31 CFR 328.5. What you did was you took my promissory note and they tell you exactly how to exchange that promissory note for a different note for payment or exchange. When presented by banks, they literally place this endorsement on the motherfucking promissory form, promissory note. They say for presentment to the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, if you're in L.A., that's the closest one, fiscal agent of the United States for redemption or in exchange for securities of a new issue in accordance with written instructions submitted by Bank of America, Chase Bank, Ford Motor Company Finance etc 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 they are trading your promissory note which has the full face value of whatever you signed it for which is the application for the car or the credit card or whatever else or a mortgage even or a mortgage mortgage, yep your mortgage was paid off as soon as you signed it your car was paid off in full as soon as you signed it all your loans were paid off in full as soon as you signed it uh it's all fraud it's all fraud because they turned around and they exchanged the actual the actual security that you created for Federal Reserve notes. Okay, now so how do you how do you go about this though? Do you have uh, trainings or you know uh, things like that on your website for specifically this? Because I'm really interested in this. I just want to try it just to see if it works. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's not a matter of see if it works. It's a matter of how far are you willing to beat the fuck out of them to make it work. That's the question. So is it going to be a back and forth for? Yeah, I imagine they're not just going to concede immediately and be like, "Oh, you're right. Yep, this right." Is There's it. no silver bullet to just continue yeah. and provide that proof. Some people are getting this done easily, but I, I would not go into this thinking it's going to be necessarily the easiest thing in the world. Uh, what you're yeah. going to do is the uh, you're going to file a uh, assessment or or a complaint with the office of the comptroller of the currency. Okay. And you can see that here on the screen. The, this is one of a few 
different resources that you can use to twist their arm to force them to follow the Federal Reserve Act. Okay, and you can do a like a complaint or something on here. I I would have to look around again and find it, but you can do a because uh, in the Federal Reserve Act, it's saying here. Um, so assessment, any penalty imposed uh, shall be assessed and collected by, in the case of a national bank, it's the comptroller of the currency, which is this guy right here. Um, this is the big boy over there. I forget his name. This guy right here. And then uh, and then if it's a state member bank, it's uh, collected and assessed by the board, which I'm not even totally sure exactly what that means. But uh, so it depends on what kind of bank you're at. It would depend on on if it's the um, comptroller of the currency or the board. I'm so assuming it's the like board capital means the board one of the Federal Reserve. Capital so one like, would be a yeah. national bank. So okay. it would be the comptroller of the currency. Right? So what is like the how would you start this? So the first thing you would do is, you know, uh, so you go back to the Bill of Exchange Act. Okay. Now this this is where the rabbit hole gets kind of crazy so so if you look on your bill do you have a bill nearby i don't i don't have cash <laughs> so so if you think back to the last time you looked at your bill was the balance a positive number or was it a negative number oh i thought you meant a bill is in money uh a bill well it's probably in my email or something but a bill is a positive number usually it doesn't have a negative next to it yeah Okay, good. So you got to ask yourself, how did you spend money, but yet get a statement at the end of the month that's positive balance and looks the same as your bank account? Do you know the answer to that question? No. <laughs> the answer to that question is every single time you use your credit card, you're producing promises to pay. You're producing promissory notes because when you sign the receipt, if you read what it says on the receipt, it literally says you're signing promising to pay the amount that you're trying to charge. The actual receipt, when you sign it, becomes a promissory note. You're manufacturing a security every single time you use your credit card. And you're depositing the value of that security into the credit account. So it's like you're you're manufacturing basically Brandon Williams notes and you're depositing the positive value of that promissory note into your credit account. At the end of the month, they're sending you a statement that that is a deposit statement. The only negatives that come off the statement are refunds. So why do they get so angry if you don't pay that amount? Because the thing is, is that you don't, you don't have you don't the definition of payment is is satisfaction of an obligation so 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 the 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 definition of payment uh i want to say 18 usc 891 maybe let me see here yeah so so the repayment of any extension of credit includes the repayment satisfaction or discharge so discharging an account by definition is repaying the account. You don't have to give them anything. You can just discharge it whoosh, like a like a magic wand and it's still in law considered a repayment. 
And how do you discharge it? So the way that works is they're sending you the statement at the end of the month that says, hey, you've deposited all of these promissory notes into this account all month long. What do you want us to do with it? That piece of paper that they send you is a bill and a bill is a bill of exchange. So the Bill of Exchange Act of 1882 and also uh, the third section of UCC, UCC3, these two sections are the sections that describe to you exactly how to handle bills of exchange. And you can actually scroll down and you can read all about how bills of exchange work and what you can do with them. Bill payable of a future date, uh, post-dating, uh, all sorts of information as regards as to how bill of exchange actually works and what you do with it. But the basic idea behind how it works is the first thing you have to do is you have to accept it. And the reason why you can read right here, this is the definition of acceptance. Oh, you meant me, sorry. Acceptance means an acceptance completed by delivery or notification. So the first thing you have to do is accept it. Now, after you accept it, now you become the holder. Go ahead and read that. Holder means the payee or endorsee of a bill or note who is in possession of it or the bearer thereof. Yep. So now you become the holder because you are the, the endorsee. So now what endorsee means is that now you've accepted this bill of exchange. Now you control it and now you can decide where it goes and how it goes there. That's called endorsement. You can see so that just, here. It just goes in the trash or what? No, no. I mean, you 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 hold it and now you're going to endorse it. Okay. And now you're going to become what's called the bearer. Go ahead and read there. Bearer means the person in possession of a bill or note, which is payable to bearer. So you literally write on the motherfucking thing, payable to bearer, payable to yourself. You have to do you have to do and fill out the bill of exchange according to the entire bill of exchange act. One of the one of the parts of the bill of exchange act is that all all amounts have to be written in figures and words, which is exactly why on a check you have the numbers and then you also have to write it out in words. That comes from the bill of exchange act because a check is also a bill of exchange. Huh. So there's certain rules and there's certain things that you have to write on the bill of exchange. You're basically what what you're doing essentially taking away all the crazy terminology and all the banking terms. What you're doing is you're saying thank you very much for sending me this statement that contains all of the positive deposits of securities that I've deposited into this account throughout the month. Please take the positive value of all of these securities that I have charged up and please take all that positive value and and transfer that positive value to the principal, which is the all caps name corporation, in order to discharge the account and bring it down to zero. And you just you just send them a letter that says that and they're yeah. just like, OK, yeah, because you got to look uh, 31 uh, USC 328.5 forms of endorsement. It's kind of like the same idea, right? So so it says here with written instructions. So you're going to write written instructions and you're going to attach the written instructions as basically a cover letter. And then you're going to have the the bearer security. It even says here, bearer security, right? So once once you become the bearer and you write on it payable to bearer, it becomes a bearer security, right? It's the same idea, right? 
Does this count as a derogatory item on your credit report, just out of curiosity? Because I do know at working in the mortgage industry, discharged items, they can affect your credit score, but they actually don't count against you. We're not allowed to look at them as something negative when we're trying to make a decision on whether to grant someone a mortgage or not. Discharge is totally fine, which is the, really the reason why is because of 18 USC 891 subsection four. A discharge is a repayment. A discharge and repayment mean the exact same thing. So you're just kind of like, it's just mind games with them. But we know, like as in my field, we know that a discharge means that that person didn't pay anything at all, but it's still not allowed to be held against them. Because it's really great for our borrowers, but. Yeah, so so you can, you can uh, charge off is a completely different word than a set off. So a set off is when you actually send the bill of exchange back and you discharge the account as a payment. A charge off is when there was a failure to perform the bill of exchange act, okay? So so if you go to set off, you're going to go to uh I think that actually comes from the bill of exchange act. Let me see here. Uh set yeah, here it is. Action. Action includes counterclaim and set off. So what's the what is legal definition of set off? The right of someone who owes money to subtract from the debt any money owed in the other direction. You're literally just commanding them to do a set off using the bill of exchange, the positive value of the bill of exchange. You're saying use the positive value of the bill of exchange to set off the account because you got to think. So 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 here's the timeline on it. You have step one, you have step two, and you have step three. Okay, you have the creation of a security. You have and then you well, it's really just two steps. You have you have a creation of a security, and then you have the exchange of that security for another type of security. Okay, so you got to think. In that relationship, when you're signing an application and you're promising to pay. And they take that application and they and they exchange that application for Federal Reserve notes. Who is the creditor in that situation? I don't know. You are. Because you created the initial security that has the actual value. All they're doing is exchanging that security for something else. All they're doing, they're doing the exact same thing. Let's say you're in Hungary. And you have a bunch of French francs in your pocket because you just went on a plane and you go and you exchange those French francs for Hungarian whatever at a foreign uh, currency exchange. Banks are doing the exact same thing. All they're doing is helping you create a security and then they're turning around and exchanging that security for another type of security as per 31 CFR 328.5. So you are the creditor. You created the security that actually has the value. So you can basically default on your credit card company by claiming you're the creditor. Because the application is what you're saying has the initial value, correct? Exactly. So, so they so give you that off, value. They're like, okay, $200,000 is the value of your application. So you well, don't really owe any money. The way a promissory note works is, uh, let's say, for example, it says on there $60,000 for a car uh, at 18% interest uh, for six years. At the end of the total amount of this entire loan, you're going to end up paying uh, $80,000. Once you sign the, that document, 
that document isn't worth the 60,000. That document's worth the 80,000. It's worth the full value of the full term of the entire promise. That makes sense. So when they exchange it for Federal Reserve notes, they aren't getting 60,000. They're getting the full 80,000 from the exchange of exchanging your application for Federal Reserve notes as per the Federal Reserve Act, Section 16, Part 1 and Part 2. Now, a set-off, only a creditor can do a set-off. A set-off is basically you're forgiving the bank as the creditor. You're saying, you're saying it's okay, guys, don't worry about it. It's forgiveness. It's it's literally biblical. A set-off is basically biblical. It's for, it's basically forgiveness, right? So once you accept the bill of exchange, you can take action, which includes to basically command a set-off. And is there a certain form you do this with, or is it just a handwritten letter? You can handwrite it. You can type it. The the written instructions are attached to the bill of exchange. And if you notice, if you notice whenever you get a bill in the mail from any of your companies, your credit card companies, (laughs) there's the little perforated part on the bottom of the bill, and it says payment coupon. You type in what what is a payment coupon. And how does that work with electronic bills? Because I mean, most people are just getting bills over email or, you know, the app or whatever. They still well, take have a look. It. It's in a PDF form. Oh, okay. Take a look. What is the definition of a payment coupon? Go ahead and read the part that I highlighted. The dollar amount of interest paid to an investor. So the bill up top, the main part, the statement is your deposit statement that shows all of the securities that you have that have been deposited into your deposit account. And then the little perforated part, the payment coupon on the bottom of the bill is your interest payment. So so when you, you think you think that they're giving you a loan and you think that you're paying interest to them, that's not how it works. You created the initial security. So they pay you interest on the amount of securities that you're depositing in your account. So the coupon is actually a payment coupon to you of the interest of all your deposits. It's a so you basically account. send it back and say, "Yeah, you owe me all this money now," and then they they're just like, "Oh shit, we do," and they that it it's that we don't easy. know we don't know this part. This is the part that that I'm still trying to figure out. I I think the way it works is the bill you can send back. Okay, so so the way this works is it gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, you have to go into Black's Law and actually start clearing up definitions. And and one of the ones that we found very recently, which is so dumb, it's such a common word. It's actually the word check, right? So if you look up what the definition of the word check means, you will find it's not anything like what you think it means. And that's this is kind of one of the more recent huge discoveries we've had on this line. Because we haven't we haven't fully, fully cracked this whole thing yet. We have been getting a lot of things discharged. We have been having some success here and there, but we haven't like completely cracked this fucking thing wide open. I've already discharged $200,000 successfully. I've had lawyers literally run for the hills. I have um, scanned documents that I put on my website that literally is a, a law firm saying, we never reported this. We're not coming after you. Like, 
just relax basically right like that so uh but the thing is they do close the accounts so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the discharges but keep the accounts open so we can use them on a revolving basis that's what we're trying to we're trying to crack the next so free money yeah but what what would be their incentive to do that to be just to be fair i mean they're a company i'm not saying that you should pay a ton of interest oh no they get paid a scam but they get paid everyone gets paid with this system, everyone gets paid because uh, they, they still get paid. Everyone gets paid. No, no one's getting screwed over. It's just, it's just. This is this is how the law is. This is what we're supposed to be doing, right? So think about this. We're gonna clear the word check here in a minute. It's gonna blow your mind. But 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 you are depositing securities into a security account. You're getting a statement at the end of the month. No different than if you took a whole bunch of Federal Reserve notes and placed them in the account. It's a positive account. That is positive because you deposited securities in the account. You deposited promissory notes. Federal Reserve notes are fucking promissory notes too. So it's no different than your bank account. It's literally your bank account. Okay. Now, you get a deposit at the end of the month or a statement at the end of the month and it has a positive balance. And then you turn around and send in more promissory notes to discharge a bunch of other promissory notes that you had already deposited of a positive balance. It's like this. Would you ever go and look at your bank account as a positive balance and then go, oh, I need to make a payment? Right. It, it's yeah. fucking insane. It's literally fucking insane to pay a bill. It's actually fucking insane. When you actually understand all this and you back it all up, it's literally like insane to, to do that. Is my screen sharing pause? Uh, you see my it's screen? still on. Yeah, it still says what is a payment coupon. You're up. You're up on that one. Oh, what the hell? Why did it say resume share? Okay. Weird. Oh, okay, I didn't stop it. Okay, so let's go to the definition of check. So the definition of check is a lot of different things, right? A commercial device intended for use as a temporary expedient for actual money and generally designated for immediate payment and not for circulation. A draft for payment of money. Uh, what do we have here? An order for payment of money. We're we can't find... see your screen. I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off, but yeah, it still it, says it, what it, is a payment coupon. Um, I'm not oh. sure why. It says we're viewing your screen. It did It did show your mouse move. But oh, then... here we go. Here we go. Hold on. Here we go. It didn't change. Screen. How's this? Oh, there we there go. There you go. So, so we're clearing up the definition of check. Okay. So, so... This is a this is a complicated one, but this one would fit, right? So look, here we go. A bill of exchange drawn on a bank payable on demand. Okay, that's the definition of check. A draft Jesus. or order upon a bank or banking house purporting to be drawn upon a deposit of funds. So let's just stop right there. Let's 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 look at this first line here. So a a a draft or order upon a bank or banking house purporting to be drawn upon a deposit of funds. So they're sending you a statement that says that there's this account that has an account number that has had securities deposited into this particular account, bringing the value of this account up to a positive $14,000. You're going to turn around. You're going to turn that statement itself into a check. And you're going to, to mail yourself. it back to, to your all capital letter name. It's the corporation. You're sending it to the... Because the, the bill's not coming to you. 
The bill's coming to the principal. You're going to look at your bill and you're going to see that your name's in all capital letters. That's not you. They're not sending the bill to you. You're just the agent on behalf of the principal. You're the lawyer. You're the accountant. You're the banker. Okay. You're the banker on behalf of the bank. They're mailing it to the bank, not the banker. So what you're doing is you're saying, as the banker, I'm going to do banking on behalf of my bank. Now, when you do that, you're going you're gonna to write a check or you're going to convert the bill of exchange into a check and you're going to say, okay, I accept this. You guys say there's this there's positive value from all these securities that I've deposited in the account. Of course, I signed the goddamn things. I remember. I remember eating that steak and I remember buying that bullshit thing I didn't need. Now, you guys sent me this statement. I'm going to convert it into a check because there's already... A, a, a deposit of funds there. There's already a positive value. So it's not a credit transaction. It's literally a deposit transaction because the deposits are already there. There's already positive value there waiting to be utilized. So you're literally writing back a check by to convert the bill of exchange to a check and you're going to mail it back and you're going to say, okay, great. There's all these positive value on, on this account go ahead and, and and transfer all that positive value over to the principal and let's just zero out this whole thing and and that I'll use that as as the payment on this thing to zero it out to a zero and that's basically huh. what you're doing what a trip dude like I okay so we we actually do I'm gonna have to do the class because yeah. this seems like I 100% get where you're going with it but it and you touched on everything but it was a lot of things that We'll definitely have to delve deeper into. You can't to really get all this figure in an hour. I mean, this is for sure. Right. I get it. So but so that's how, I'm like, I'm like a course? year and a half deep on this. So, Damn. and we're, and I don't have all the answers. Like we're, we're getting up to the point in this presentation where I don't, this is pretty much as high as we've gone. We've gotten a lot of really cool things to happen. We've discharged mortgages. We've discharged cars, all sorts of crazy that's shit. That's pretty dope in itself. But I they mean, close everything done. out. Yeah, they close everything out. Sometimes they report it to the re reporting agencies. Sometimes they don't. It's still kind of hit or miss. But we are we are able to to get debt to disappear in a way where they they never come after us for the debt that we're able to do. Okay. And you have a course on that specifically, or uh, it, it's it's sort of all it's it, all this information is kind of tied together because because the locational stuff and the national stuff when you become a national. You 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 get you get such tremendous legal protections from all this stuff that you can literally operate in the banking world with almost complete autonomy and diplomatic immunity. I mean, they can't come after you for like literally anything once you become national. So then yeah. it becomes really fun because then you can just play with all this shit and send shit in and just go absolutely ballistic and they'll never they'll never sue you, they'll never come after you, they'll never do anything. They'll close the accounts. Uh Good. But but they won't they won't come after you for the money. They won't sue you. They'll never like they the, w w MX. I did one hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars and I discharged it and they hired a lawyer and I literally laughed and I sent them a letter. And then the letter that they sent back to me was this one here. We'll, we'll end off on this. Free contract killer course you go down to so i actually literally do an entire video this one here is the video showing and breaking down the entire document that i sent to mx and also that I, the ones that i sent to the law firm and then this is what the law firm sent me let me uh 
Let me just, this is better actually here like this. Go ahead and read that out loud. It's kind of fun. So it says, Dear Mr. Williams, Sessions, Israel, and Shardle, which is a great fucking name, LLC represents Alltrain Financial LP, Alltrain, regarding the issues in your September 16th, 2022 letter relating to your American Express account placed with Alltrain for collection. While Alltrain denies any and all alleged wrongdoing, Alltrain has made the business decision to cease collection of the account. Alltrain did not credit report the account holy shit they didn't Jesus. even put it on your credit and they no. discharged it that's they didn't amazing even put it. now this is a set off not a charge off charge off doesn't hurt your chances for a mortgage either to be fair but it no, does I know, go but on a, your credit a, but yeah a, a set off is a repayment so technically so they're basically yeah. like world, i repaid the loan technically they're like we, did, they were we like, didn't do we're anything really wrong sorry about that yeah Wow. That's great. That's amazing. Now they closed the check account. Out all your shit. They yeah. closed the account. So I can no longer use my account, but it was $177,000. Poof, gone. Mortgages. How long was the letter you sent them? Because this was a very small paragraph they sent back. Uh, it, it was, it was quite a lot. And, and right. I cover that. I actually sent them a few things. So I teach you how to write all these legal documents. I teach you how it's called a conditional acceptance. I teach you how to build them. I teach you how to structure them. I go through mine. I break down all the ones that I've written in great detail. So by the end of my course, my free course, mind you, uh, you will be able to write all of these pretty much probably mostly from scratch. Okay. Nice. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm definitely going to... How long is the course total? 39 days, one video per day. It's about 40 minutes per video. And it covers... Okay a whole lot of other things that we haven't talked about so many different things. And then there's also an advanced course. Once you finish the the main course, there's an advanced course. And then uh, I've only got about five videos done on that, but I just do them kind of as I, as I go kind of a deal right now, I'm trying to really master and understand the bills of exchange. And then I'm probably going to do like a, like a one to three video, like full breakdown of everything, but I'm waiting till I totally understand it A to Z before I do that. Nice. And that makes sense. I mean, you're you said it was kind of like a work in progress anyway, but it sounds amazing. I yeah. and definitely something that uh people in general don't we just get bamboozled into thinking that the way of the world is just the way it is and we don't want to look further into it. So things like this can kind of wake people up or just bring them out up out of the hole that at least the United people. States corporation has slammed us down into. Yeah. At least get people curious and looking into it for themselves, which is what you should be doing anyway. But this is, uh, this is our version of looking into it ourselves is having people like this on that we can ask questions to. Yeah. And uh, we're definitely going to have you back on. Cause I want to get you on with Andrew Benjamin actually, because I think that would be an amazing round table. Oh, that's your buddy and, uh, with uh, that does this stuff. Yeah. And he's, he's just kind of a, he just, figured it out himself he's not any like you know expert on anything he just looked into all this stuff like you and it was like i think i can get by with a lot of this shit and he hates the legalese that's a different language he actually says that in the courtroom he's like i don't speak legalese that's not my language so i don't know what you're talking about it he goes about it a little bit of a different way and it's kind of hilarious but hey uh, if yeah, it works, I, I it works. Get him there's, a, there's a lot of different ways to make this shit work there's a Hell lot yeah. of different ways. i like your approach too though with being nice to people instead of just going, you know, full force angry at people because they might not know. And you might be educating someone who's part of that system and they might be interested in it too. And you're just breaking more people out of it that way. So I like that. 
Yeah. yeah, I I I I always tell people there's actually the, the technical reason why like I we sh I showed you the definition of foreign government defined earlier and you don't have to be officially recognized by the District of Columbia but you just have to be at peace. So in my head the way I think of it is if I'm at peace and I behave as though I'm at peace and I prove that I'm at peace by definition I'm a foreign government. So like yeah. in my head all these guys that aren't at peace, these other guys that might be teaching this, they don't have the foreign government status. And then they wind up getting in trouble or 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 something like that. I mean, it's shocking how few people are getting in trouble with all this. You'd think there'd be more of it, but uh, they really do uh, honor this shit. They really, really do. I mean, the, these codes and these definitions. This is this is like beyond religion to these people. This is yeah. this is this is biblical to them. It's it's almost like law to them. It is, yeah. And what's funny is once you become a national, the United States code has nothing to do with you really anymore. Most of it, because you don't live in the United States anymore. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love all this. Well, plug yeah. plug your stuff. Uh, OneStupidFuck.com and you yeah. can find your books there, I'm assuming. And you have a new book coming out this year. Well, that that's kind of gotten sidelined for all this shit. I'm trying to I, I'm I'm ready for some infinite money action in my life. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for a hundred thousand dollar Amex that discharges every month by itself because I send in a letter. Uh, but once I crack all that and once that's all done, yeah, I'll get back on the book train. But basically, I have two things. I have the free course, the free contract killer course. Uh, I do have a, a start here step by step guide page that I made because people were so confused. Like, there's so much shit. What do I do? That that page breaks everything down pretty well. And then I also have the state national theory page, which is basically like a textbook form of all of my research. So you have the book for free online, and then you have the course that you can sign up for as well. So nice. it's kind of both. Nice. Love it. Well, okay. thanks, dude. We appreciate your time. And uh, we will definitely try to schedule something a little since I know you're in our, our time zone now. That'll be easier. Do I just hit up your booker to get you rescheduled or you can hit me up? That's all right. You can hit me up uh, directly. OK, cool. email me I, or whatnot. I will do that and we will get you back on for another kind of more in-depth thing, maybe in a couple months after you've uh, cracked a few more things and we can kind of go over and some of done that. the course. I definitely yes. want to do it for I, sure. I, I, I want to go through that so I know what I'm talking about. Oh it. man, if you guys, more about it. If, yeah, if you guys go through the course, then the next time we go on a show, it's going to be heavy hitting big time because it's not oh, going to yeah. be entry level. It's going to be, uh, it's going to get these shows. Cause I do, I do, I've done three or four shows in the past few days and I have like two more booked for the ne this next few days. Um, these shows are going to get crazier and crazier and crazier because so many people are, are wanting to do this now and getting involved in this. And, and the more we all learn, then the, these shows are just going to get more in depth and, and better, you know? Yeah. yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. I'll hit you up, but uh, thanks. You, thank you so much. Everybody go one stupid fuck.com for that free course, because it's definitely going to be worth it. Uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Have a great night.